0: give some common sense. Yes, sir,
1: they have the cars stopped in 10 and the garage, Michael We
0: still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD as a sergeant. And with me today is repo- retired NYPD detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. How about you? You know, good. Uh, in keeping with our, we've been covering some uh, high-profile domestic violence cases. And I thought about reaching back into a story that was just, just blew up. And not just uh, right after it happened, but stayed in the news for years and years and years and years. And that's the uh, the story of uh, Mary Jo Buttafuoco. And it actually happened out on Long Island, Massapequa, Long Island. I grew up in Levittown. I was out of Long Island in 1992. I was living in the city or actually up in Westchester at that point. But this story was all over the news. And to, to give like a synopsis of it, really, uh, Joey Buttafuoco, who is a larger than life character, and I'll, I'll see if I can find a, um, a picture of him. There's a picture of Joey Buttafuoco uh, with his wife, Mary Jo. And he, of course, was the catalyst behind this whole story. He was having an affair at the time with, the, uh, with a young lady who was 16 years old, who actually wasn't even of age. So that came into play also down the road. But the most heinous part of this, and there's a picture of uh, of the family, uh, Joey Butterfuco and Mary Joe and their two children. And he, he was a, a larger-than-life character. I think he owned an auto body shop. But he was having an affair with this girl. And for whatever he may have told this young girl, whose name was Amy Fisher, who you see at the bottom right, she obtained a 22 caliber pistol and shot uh, Mary Jo Buttafuoco in the head. Here's, yeah, there's a picture of that right there. And for those folks that don't know much about firearms, a 22 caliber is a very, very dangerous round to be shot with because it is so small that when it hits things inside the body, it ricochets and just does all kinds of damage. So luckily, Mary Jo Buttafuco survived this gunshot wound and uh, thrived even. But this was the catalyst for the whole story about the Buttafuco family and the media frenzy that it became uh, later on. And we'll, we'll get into all the different aspects of this case. But Phil, do you remember in this case? Oh, absolutely, Billy. I think, uh, well, right off the
1: bat, uh, Joey Buttafuoco was, you know, a rough and tumble guy, owned a body shop. You know, usually, uh, you know, very meek and and mild-mannered people don't own body shops. So he was kind of a tough guy to begin with. This young lady comes in to get her car fixed. They start a romance. Obviously, she's 16. He's much older. Um, I believe he was actually charged later on down the line with statutory rape. But this story had so much intrigue, Uh, interest. It was salacious. It was uh, a gossip. It was uh, something that uh, tabloids just jumped all over uh, tabloid television, tabloid print. Uh, It was a very, very um, high profile media story at the time. Um, The kid Uh, Amy Fisher I call her a kid because she was only 16 at the time or maybe when she did the shooting she might have been a little bit older 17 but she goes to the house to confront her and she actually brings a t-shirt that belonged to Joey to prove that they were having an affair uh, when Mary Jo who's much older uh, kind of you know, ask her to leave. She pulls out. I, uh, You said it was a 22, Billy. It was a 25, actually. A 25, uh, that, you're actually right. Yeah, you're yeah actually the right. 25 caliber. They're, listen, they're both small rounds. You made the point. A, a small round, when uh, it's fired, uh, doesn't have a lot of penetrating power, so to speak. So it, it enters the body, it could cause, uh, actually more damage sometimes because it does have a tendency to bounce around. But she was left partially paralyzed in her face, she was left deaf in one ear. And we'll get into the whole, uh, you know, story of what took place in the years to follow. But this story, I think, till this day uh is very, very interesting, intriguing, and uh people want to hear about it for some reason. You know, it's it's uh I think because it's it's it it toes the line of stuff that people would never cross, people would never do. Imagine a a middle well, not a middle age, but a married man with a family, much older than a sixteen year old girl, gets involved and has a relationship, whatever, and then it just turns into uh, you know, a total uh a total disaster, so to speak. I mean, she nearly lost her life. Mary Jo, a true survivor. I think that falls in line with the, uh, domestic violence stories that we've, uh, you know, featured in the last couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, she's a true survivor. Um, it's just, I, I gave a little preview of the early part of the story, the later part, uh, you know, going into the, uh, the future where, where, uh, She writes a book and stuff, and and it really uh, explains how uh, she believed that uh, Joey was a sociopath. So uh, I'm sure we'll get into that.
0: Well, you know, just how this whole story, and uh, we're going to get into it, how it just affected not just Joey and Mary Jo, but their their children, Uh, the children um, that were were very young at that time, and uh, the children, Jesse... And Paul and Jesse has sort of somehow stayed in the limelight a little bit. She uh, opened up sort of like an acting school or a performance school. and But her brother, Paul, totally, totally stayed out of the limelight, wanted nothing to do with this. As part of this shooting, the bullet lodged in the base of uh, Mary Jo's brain above the spinal column, but she survived and then endured multiple surgeries and facial reconstruction. And you know, when you get shot like that, it's not just the physical, there's a lot of mental aspects to getting shot that people if you ever spoke to someone that got shot, they'll tell you about it, you know. Uh Mary's Joe's life has was has turned around and she says, I don't want a poor me story. I'm content, I'm happy, I'm very grateful. So May uh, 19th of this year will be the uh 30-year anniversary of this shooting and how this whole shooting changed the lives of of all of these people involved. Mary claims, you know, that Mary Jo, I'm a housewife and not a movie star. I wasn't used to it. I had two young children still in school. I had to think about them. She said of moving frequently because of the assault. Her face is still partially paralyzed. She's deaf in her right ear and the bullet is still lodged in her neck. Uh, These days when she says when I'm recognized, it's a positive thing. Mary Joe says, but back then it was me at the grocery store being uh, stared at and yelled at. You know, when this occurred, every damn tabloid show, uh, and they were as guilty as the folks that were looking to remain in the spotlight. Uh, Joey Butterfuco never met a camera he didn't like. If he <laughs> saw a camera, he lit up and he was all over it, you know, and they made a lot of money. Uh, well, they. Um, used by the press and were they used by the media? 100%. But did they also in turn use this story to enrich themselves? But Joey Butterfuoco was the type of guy, um, they, I, I believe I heard a story by their attorney, Dom, Dominic Barbera, who also became famous off of this. He was uh, appearances on Howard Stern and all this other stuff. He said uh, Mary Joe had told him that she wanted to go to rehab and, she, and uh, that she was broke. She couldn't afford to go to the Betty Ford center. And according to the story, Dominic Barber said, I gave him my black American express card. I said, go ahead, you go. And she goes, he goes, what happened to the 3 million? I just gave Joey. She goes, he blew it on bad investments. So not only was this guy, uh, you know, a flamboyant, he was sort of, you know, the things he touched turned bad, Not, not good. Many of the things he touched turned bad. And this is the story of that. And, you know, The tabloid nature of this, but this was the, what happened before this is what we wanted to examine also is a, because this is a domestic violence story. What was going on in that house? You know, Joey was a sociopath. So he was telling his family and his wife and his kids all kinds of lies that maybe he did never or would never ever live up to.
1: Well, Billy, right off the bat, you talked about the children and the family. Uh, You know, when this incident took place, um, it's a traumatic incident. So I'm sure that she had some, uh, you know, mental issues, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, you're a survivor of such a uh, horrific, uh, violent attack. So there's definitely going to be some, you know, some PTS there. And then the kids got thrust into, you know, the whole family got thrust into the spotlight in the mainstream media. Uh, I think probably in the beginning... Uh, of the incident, Uh, they may have, you know, just uh, they may be starstruck a little bit with all the media attention and stuff. But then down the line, it seems like, yes, uh, everyone sort of capitalized on it. Even Amy Fisher, uh, you know, capitalized on it. So all all parties involved, Uh, use the, you know, 15 minutes of fame to uh, their benefit at some point, but you're making a great point. It sounds like he was very controlling. I mean, she didn't leave the marriage until 2003. So, you know, in the early stages of the whole thing, uh, he was in full denial. I don't know what he was telling her publicly. He was denying that he ha- even had an affair with this young girl. And then, as time went on, it was obvious that it, it really was an affair. It, it did take place. It went on for about a year or so. And uh, so, again, you know, uh, what was his actions before this? How was he controlling Mary Joe and the family? Uh, he was described by her in the book that she wrote, which I think was called uh, "Getting It Through My Thick Skull." Which I guess that's kind of uh, an ironic title. Yeah, there it is. So. So she describes him as a sociopath based on the fact that, uh, her son, his son called him that, uh, she looked it up and when she saw what the definition was, she realized that she was in, an, in a in a marriage, in a relationship with a sociopath. So I'm sure there were a lot of things going on prior to this incident that, uh, you know, he was probably very uh, controlling, very possessive. He may have even been violent, uh, we don't know if he ever raised his hands to marry Joe, but uh, you could use, uh, you know, mental, uh, you know, distress and, and mental, uh, so to speak, torture uh, on a person. And, you know, she didn't leave the marriage for many years. So that tells me she may have had her uh, her self-esteem broken down and, and things of that nature, you know. So, again, right. Right. Like you said, right from the beginning, Billy, this is definitely a domestic incident that uh, just spiraled out of control.
0: You know, folks, when we spoke to um, Leslie Morgan Steiner, who incidentally is going to be on the show again this Monday night at 9 p.m., she spoke about her um, experiences with domestic violence and, you know, why did she stay? And sure enough, the on the very cover of Mary Jo Bonifuco's book, uh, Getting It Through My Thick Skull, why I stayed, what I learned, and what millions of people involved with sociopaths need to know. So it, are all people that are involved in domestic violence sociopaths or are all sociopaths involved in domestic violence. I mean, I don't, I don't think so, but this story, uh, you know, takes many turns. Um, here's this is a picture of Joey, but today. And so it's 30 years. Uh, we, I believe I said this happened May 19th, 1992. Yes. And, Joey Buttafuoco is still trying to stay in the limelight. He's working on a book. He every for whatever reason, everyone moved to California. You know, that's a strange place to go to try to get out of the limelight. You know, uh, but of course this happened on Long Island, Massapequa, Long Island, and they wanted to get away from there. But he looks very, very different now than he did. Uh, you know, 30 years ago. I guess he's like 62 years old, uh, and he's still trying to stay in the limelight is he working on himself is he getting therapy and all kinds of other stuff to stop being the sociopath has he changed as yeah. he is he better to his kids i don't know if he has any real contact with mary joe anymore but as phil said before mary joe stayed in the marriage for 11 years after she was shot even all through all the pain and and you know the girl that he had the affair was shot is the one that shot her i mean just inconceivable almost Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to our channel, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up. And if you want to join us and help support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And you see the folks in the green font, they're from our YouTube. They're channel members, and we appreciate all of them. We have five different levels to that. If you like to support us, you can go uh, Police Off the Cuff com go on our website and that's how you can join so uh betty smith hi bill and phil and everybody from southern minnesota good to see you is it a little warmer in southern minnesota now i know it's uh it's pretty damn cold in southern minnesota they alicia get some, b., good to see lantern, you yeah rat 507 <laughs> that's some name rat 507 uh but good to see you uh lorna mckenzie always good to see you alicia b uh Gerda Katsi, uh, good to see you. Delhi Wonder, right? Ramblin' Rome, Mickey Mantle. Always good to see Mickey Mantle here. Number seven He's in the chat. Uh, Love Mickey great Mantle. To see you guys.
1: Seven, my all-time hero.
0: All-time <laughs> hero. So folks, the the so the story is also uh, the the young the young lady here on the screen. That's Amy Fisher uh, to the left, and and she had many changes in life also. I believe she did seven years in prison for this assault, first degree, with a firearm. And believe it or not, Mary Jo butterfuco actually summoned the court and said that she requested leniency for her and wrote letters to that requested to get her out of prison early. And sure enough, Amy Fisher was released from prison after only seven years for shooting someone in the head, which is... Sort of unheard of, but I think that uh, Mary Jo Buttafuoco was instrumental in that. And is that uh, forgiveness or is that craziness? What is that? I don't know if I would be so apt to try to forgive someone that shot me. Um, I always question that. I always wonder how someone can forgive like that. Here's a picture of Amy Fisher when you could see she was just a basically a kid. She was 17, 17 years old as she's being pictured in the picture you see on screen, for the folks that are just listening, that's the the, the perp walk. Uh, she's she's being walked out by two NASA County detectives, uh, to or from court. Um, it's Funny, she's cuffed in the front. We never do that in New York City. We don't care how small you are or whatever. You're getting cuffed uh, uh, rear cuffed. So that this story again, how did it affect? There she is. I think that's a the picture of her today. Yeah, that seems. She like got a involved. Recently. I think she's she she was married. Uh, I know she has three kids. I don't know exactly what she does today. She was in the porn industry for a while. She was working in the porn industry, and as I said, I don't know what she does right now. Um, this is a picture on the screen. You can see Mary Jo and Joey Joey Butterfuco. And here's a the New York Post. Uh back around that time. It seemed that Joey Butterfuco couldn't stay out of the news for one day back then. Uh I mean, when you talk about they were on every show possible, they were on Oprah. They uh, back then Geraldo had his own talk show. Uh David Letterman, Saturday Night Live was doing bits on he became like the laughing stop. Oh, you're you're a butterfuco. It became a name. Someone who was sort of a Chadrul, right? <laughs> You're I, I, a think, uh,
1: I think one of them, I don't know if it was Joey or Mary Joe, they might have even uh, appeared on Saturday Night Live, if I'm not mistaken. But uh
0: it yeah. may have been Joey, but you know, one of the things they, they learned a lot from dealing with the media was that they went on Donnyu. Uh, yeah, I was gonna mention that. Phil Donahue, you? and according to what you read now, it was a it was an attack. They uh, attacked them like they were creatures. And that they were, why did you stay with them? How did you let this, you know, and the audience was un- unmerciful on them. And, you know, just think about that for Mary Jo, who was shot in the head. And she's got to listen to these people, you know, calling her stupid. And why are you with this big, this big moron? And why are you staying with them? Blah, 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 you know, very tough. But, you know, it was, as I said, they kept going on other shows. They stayed with the media and they just, I guess they didn't learn. You know, you know, Billy, uh, I just want to speak about the fact that she
1: wound up uh, notifying uh, the, uh, you know, when uh, Amy was uh, uh, incarcerated, that she wound up, you know, uh, speaking up for her and writing to the parole board to give her a parole. Now, that's that speaks to the victimization of Mary Jo as well as Amy. Maybe she understood that uh, Joey was a manipulative uh, person. Uh, That he, you know, she must have realized. Maybe she took a step back and said, uh, "This poor young girl must have been manipulated by Joey." Uh, Maybe she was even encouraged to uh, to attack her by things that he told her. Maybe he said, "Listen, you know, I would uh, I would leave my wife, but she's going to give me a hard time." Or he may may have said terrible things about Mary Joe to Amy that encouraged her to go confront her and shoot her. So. Uh, I think that there's probably some forgiveness in there as well, but I think the fact that she did write to the parole board and ask for an early release, uh, she must have understood that this kid at 16 years old was manipulated by Joey Butterfugo. And again, a 16-year-old, their brain isn't fully developed. You know, your brain isn't fully developed till you're 25 or 26 years old, whatever it is. And so I think that... Uh, you know, manipulation through I love you and emotions and all the different things and promising the world to this young girl. Uh, however, I would give you all of that, but I can't because my wife stands in the way. You know, he could have structured conversations that way. And that might have put the idea into this young girl's head to, to go do what she did. Uh, I don't think she just acted on her own. I mean, uh, a 16 year old, that would be pretty, uh, 16 or 17 year old. That would be pretty, uh, violent, uh, for a kid to go do something like that, you know, just on the, on the, you know, on the snap. But, uh, again, I think that, uh, you know, there's probably some forgiveness in there. She probably understood from her own relationship with, uh, Joey Buttafuoco that he was probably, uh, condescending, manipulative, trying to, uh, control her movements and, uh, she maybe understood that. And maybe when she heard the other side, when she heard the stories uh, that she decided to, uh, you know, uh, give this girl a second chance in life. Now, obviously she didn't stay out of the limelight. She went into the porn industry and uh, there wasn't a camera that she could stay away from as well. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe on Mary Joe's part, maybe this was a, a form of therapy to talk about it, to go on these shows. Unfortunately, she was attacked on Donnie, like you said, but you know, listen, whatever happened, whatever occurred, she was the true victim in this case. She was a victim of domestic uh, abuse, probably by Joey. And she was a victim of this uh, horrendous attack. This, I, I thought it was an attempted murder. I mean, if you shoot someone in the face, you're not uh, trying to just hurt them. It sounds like you're trying to kill them. However, you said uh, she was convicted of assault first degree. So whatever that, you know, whatever the legal system uh, did, it did. But, uh, So, you know, she's the victim here. I mean, look at that bullet hole. Uh, She's left to this day, deaf in one ear and paralyzed. Although she did have she uh, she was on Oprah in 2006. And they said that she had facial reanimation procedure so that she could smile again. And they said it was uh, tremendously helpful in uh, restoring some of the hearing. And like I said, she uh, wasn't able to smile. Her face was paralyzed on one side. And so, uh, wh- whatever they did with that uh, surgery, which was, you know, all those years later, 2006 from 1992, I mean, due to math, that's about 14 years. So uh, she was able to smile again. So that was a positive thing. And uh, I think, uh, you know, for domestic violence survivors, this is uh, definitely a, a story here. There's something to be, pay attention to, shine a spotlight, as we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. So very interesting story, very interesting.
0: Maureen Cerati, I, I believe you're a, a retired detective. Welcome aboard. Thank you for uh, watching uh, Police Off the Cuff. She says, funny, watch the most recent 2020 last night. Amy Fisher's mother pleaded with Mary Jo for leniency at the time, and they grant her bail. She stated Amy was changed. So Mary Jo wrote the judge. As of now, 2021, she says it's one of her biggest regrets. Amy has absolutely no remorse. So you live and learn, right? Forgiveness, is it always the right path to take? Tracy Foote, Amy Fisher lives a private life. She married and divorced after three years. She moved back to New York from Florida and changed her name. She's in hiding now. She said her life is already ruined. Well... I think she has some jealousy also that it seems that the Butterfuco's, or at least Mary Jo Butterfuco, has made a lot of money off this and uh, is living a very nice life. Look, she deserves to. She's the one that got shot in the face. Uh, And her book was a bestseller. So they made some, they cashed in on this. And I don't know if if Amy, you know, her life is as bad as it was before she decided to pull the trigger. Uh, Alicia B., she had two small children, probably all by herself, still in shock and having surgery. He denied it, and she wanted to believe it because she had two small kids. You do what you have to do sometimes. You're referring Betty Smith to uh, Mary Jo uh, back when this occurred, undoubtedly. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing in this story that even uh, the, the outcome now that Mary Jo's leading a nice life, and I'm sure she would have preferred not to have ever gotten shot in the face, not to have had this happened, you know, even though she made a positive out of such a huge negative and she's living a good life. She actually was going around to colleges and given speeches. And then of course what derailed a lot of us COVID and she stopped doing it. And she's talking about going back and, and, uh, giving talks again at colleges. I think it's, uh, it's a great story. And, uh, you know, you know when they when she realized her son told her that uh, Joey Joey Buttafuoco was a sociopath. It sounded like it was a surprise to her. And when you read what a sociopath is, it's someone with antisocial personality disorder, as does the term psychopath. The most recent edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which mental health professionals use to diagnose mental health conditions defies aspd as a consistent disregard for rules and social norms and repeated violation of other people's rights people with the condition might seem charming and charismatic at first at least on the surface but they generally find it difficult to understand other people's feelings they often break rules or laws behave aggressively or impulsively feel little guilt for harm they cause others and use manipulation deceit and controlling behavior so that's the that that is the definition basically of of the behavior of joey Butterfuco, you know and um to this day i think he i don't think he's healed from being a sociopath i think maybe he's working on himself which we hopefully everyone's a work in progress and you're not satisfied and say i'm perfect now i don't need i don't need to grow or learn anything else i'm perfect you know Well, when you
1: listen to that description of a sociopath, I'm going to think about obviously Mary Jo, but I think Amy was a victim as well. Now, she's 16 years old. Where were her parents? I mean, I don't want to knock them. I don't know them. I don't know the situation, but I feel like maybe she was a victim as well. She was victimized by this Joey. I mean, you know, it's improper for a a middle-aged man whatever he was at the time. uh, I think he was 32. He was 32.
0: She was 16.
1: Yeah. He's much older than her. And he had no business getting involved with this 16 year old girl. Um, You know, it wasn't like a couple of years difference. This is a a man with a family, uh, you know, and he obviously used uh, his sociopathic behavior to manipulate her. So she's a victim as well. Now, I know that she did something horrendous and horrible, uh, you know, where she got the idea, where she got the gun. That's all stuff that, uh, you know, w- was brought out in court and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, she's a bit of a victim too. I hope that she found a path in her life that is, uh, so, you know, she basically said that her life was ruined and she's in hiding now, you know, hopefully there is some type of, uh, you know, path to uh, a normal life, and 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 listen, we're all in pursuit of happiness. So that's really what life is about. Uh, you know, trying to be happy, trying to maintain a normal life. Uh, she sounds very, very victimized, and she sounds very, very, uh, you know, uh, uh, troubled. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I I look at her family, what happened in her childhood, you know, where were her parents? There was no, uh, you know, nobody keeping an eye on her, so to speak, that she can get involved with this guy. And, uh, you know, listen, when you look at it, there's victims in in both sides, in Mary Jo and Amy. And I think that Mary Jo may have recognized that. And uh, that's why she put forward that, uh, you know, a letter to the parole board to release her. However, she feels like she never showed remorse about it. Now, I think she believes that it was a mistake. So, you know, uh, listen, it's never too late for redemption. And uh, maybe if she, you know, does feel redemption this day, to, to I don't know if she ever apologized. Maybe she should or she should at least ask for redemption. Um, you know, this poor woman is still suffering with the effects of this incident today. So, uh, you know, she's still paralyzed partially. She still has hearing loss in that ear. So, uh, yeah, I I think that if she's watching this or sees this, maybe she should try to, uh, you know, get redemption from Mary Jo.
0: Michael Geary, retired sergeant attorney. Joey was definitely a narcissist. Yeah, yeah. I I have no doubt to that. Sana Elise Hulth-Johnson. Good to see you. Well, we're always good to see you. I, I don't even know what time it is right now in the Netherlands, but you make an effort to see us all the time. Uh, Carlos Sayer, um right, mobsters fit into that category as narcissists. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Sociopath
1: uh, and narcissist, absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Back then, uh, Patricia Bela, back then people weren't as familiar with psychopath, narcissist, and sociopath. Yeah, I mean, terms of terms, and, you know, people exhibit – Abherent behaviors, and we see it a great deal when we look at um, domestic violence incidents, which we've been covering uh, the last few days, and you see both sides of the person being abused and the person, the abuser, and the big question, of course, is always, why Why did I stay? Why did you stay? And in this inc- incident, also, Mary Jo stayed for 11 more years in this uh, in this marriage, which was Somewhat hard to believe. Uh, uh, Carlos, see, I, I don't know if uh, Amy Fisher was assaulted in prison. She was a high profile inmate, so you would think that they would protect her. I don't know if that's a fact or not. Um, what do we got? Claire Mack. So true at Patricia Bale. Now, everyone is a narcissist. It's so overused, but certainly not in Joey's case. Yeah, it is an overused case. Uh, a narcissist basically means you're selfish, you know all you're just self-centered and that's that's all you care about. that's all you look about. and um, you know but I think we also have to look at this story as a story of redemption. and the person that is the most redemptive in this whole story is Mary Joe. Amazing that she was able to get her life together. Amazing that she's able to forgive. sometimes forgiving is what makes you heal. you know even though how difficult it is to forgive. Uh, that is the single thing, I think if you asked a lot of psychologists, psychiatrists, they would tell you, you have to let go of the hatred, you know, because what do they say, uh, you let someone live rent-free in your, in your head, in your brain, and uh, that's not helping you, you know, and somehow, uh, you know, Mary Jo was able to let go of this, and move on with her life, and accomplish things, and According to when I read the story about it, though, she's moved like 20 different times within California. She did get remarried, and apparently that relationship didn't work out. But shes I, I believe she's like 66 years old right now. And I think, you know, as far as, you know, finances and stuff, I think she has enough money to live the rest of her life. And uh, as I said before, she goes to colleges and gives speeches in regards to domestic violence and to her story. You know, Billy, uh, when you
1: talk about narcissistic behavior, narcissists tend not to take responsibility for any of their actions. And I think Joey fits right into this. Uh, he he lied about the affair and he said, oh, I didn't tell her to do this. She did it on her own. So again, he may have encouraged the whole thing. That's one of the things that I think narcissism is really, really prevalent, uh, that they will not take uh, responsibility. No one else But uh, they're never wrong. It's always everybody else. Everybody else is wrong. Uh, I didn't do it. Uh, It's not my fault. They don't take responsibility for anything. They're always the one that's right. Everybody else is wrong. And that's one of the things when you meet or you talk to, or you know, a narcissist that really jumps out at you. That's my opinion. And I think if you look at the definition of it, that's what you come out with. Now, it could be a a term that is overused. People talk about it a lot, but, uh, someone in this case, I mean, she, uh, stood with him for those extra 11 years, like you said, and, um, you know, uh, he could have really been, um, manipulating her thoughts and her mind, you know, telling her, you know, swearing behind closed doors. He's saying this and that maybe, oh, we're going to go on this program. I'm going to say whatever, but it's not true. I'm just saying it for the, you know, for the audience or whatever. And she must've believed it, but thank God that she uh, got her head together and was able to get through this. And she wrote that book and she's
0: a true survivor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Adam Trinchetto. I lived in the same neighborhood, three houses down on that day. Well. It's, well, Mass Peak was a beautiful area. They had a beautiful house. There's nothing bad about the neighborhood that would uh, that would cause something like this to happen. Claire Mack, hatred is a poison for you, 100%. You have to let go of hatred if you want to move on, if you want to live a healthy life. Uh, Maria, I have he to is- coin
1: a phrase, Bill. I have to coin a phrase that uh, uh, a retired NYPD captain who now passed away, uh, said, and he said, when you have hatred, it's like taking a bottle of poison and hoping the other person dies. And, uh, I think that that really fits, you know, when you think about it, if you're angry and you're hateful and the other person's smiling away, you know, uh, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're hating that person, but you're the one that has all the anger inside of you and it eats you up. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the captain that said that was Captain Plaquemere from Brooklyn South. He was a great guy. He passed away now, but uh, it really made a lot of sense uh, to uh, think. Yeah, I sort of
0: like that that thing. You know, holding on to hatred is like letting someone live rent free in your in your yes. head, and that's true too because yes. you're, you're you're giving them too much of your attention. And you know, if and the hatred is that you don't want to pay any attention to them, but you, you you're holding on to it for some reason. And that's what's so unhealthy about it. You
1: you, you can keep something in the back of your mind and not forget it. I get that. If somebody does you wrong and you don't want to, but if you constantly talk about it and engage it every day and you let it eat you up, that person's winning. So you really have to try and, you know, find some type of uh, forgiveness or just to let it go. I remember I was in church one time and the priest said that in the sermon, you know, the more that you, let it eat you up, the more that person wins that did you wrong. So think about it in those terms. Listen, it's not easy. Uh, Every situation is different, personal uh, issues. If somebody does you wrong, you know, cheat you out of money or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it really makes sense. Like you said, Billy, don't let them take up space in your brain. And don't hope by you keeping the poison inside of you that the other person's going to die because it's just not going to be that way. And sometimes you have to wait for karma or, you know, the guy upstairs to uh, dole out justice. But, you know, sometimes it's better, better just to back away from it, be happy and let that other person have whatever that they're doing, the, the ill that they're doing, let that stay with them. You know, I think that's Alicia B.
0: This story is a good reminder that when we excuse away bad behavior, it rarely turns out well. Glad Mary Joe is doing okay and I'm sure she's also she's doing okay but I'm sure she's a uh, a work in progress. Elena Buchholz, Amy's parents seem like good people what do you think? I don't know really anything about them other than that they're Amy's parents. Uh this whole case I'm sure ne- negatively affect many people besides the the main players in this. Uh Oh wow uh, Maria Is that Camacho, Maria Camacho? Oh, wow. That is sad. He didn't learn a thing. Well, you know, Mary Jo is now 66 years old. That's right. And she's living in California. She seems to be happy. She's gotten her life together. Uh, John Donahue, I believe, to answer your question, are the kids in touch with Joey? I believe the daughter is. I don't believe the son has anything to do with him. I think he. uh, the son's name is Paul Butterfuco. He has totally removed himself from this case, wanted nothing to do with it, wanted to live his life on the down low. Jesse Butterfuco still uh has a lot of animosity for her father, but actually still talks to him, if you can believe that. You know, and uh they've all suffered. I know Jesse Butterfuco had a bout with drugs and all kinds of other things over this, you know, living through something like this, it's amazing. Phil, uh, Michael Geary, Phil is right. The narcissist blames everyone else for their own problems. They are capable of great destruction and have no ability to self-reflect. You nailed there it. There he is. That's why, he's, that's why he's got a law degree. You he's a smart it. guy, you, you know.
1: Billy, I just want to make a quick comment about uh, Amy's parents. Now, I'm not trying to knock them. I'm just talking about how a 16-year-old kid should have had a little bit more supervision. Maybe they were incapable of supervising her or keeping an eye on her. Uh, I don't know what their situation was. I'm just trying to think of it in in terms of the way I raise my children. Uh, you know, children, uh, uh, you know, that's such a... Delicate age, teenage years for both boys and girls is very, very delicate, that that's the years that they could really stray off the path, whether it be drugs or gangs or anything like that. And obviously, listen, they may not have had the ability to keep a good eye on them. Maybe there wasn't a close family bond. A lot of times they say it takes a, a village to, to raise a child. Maybe there wasn't a lot of friends, family around them. And maybe they were busy with their, uh, you know, with their occupations or whatever it was. But, and again, I'm not knocking anyone. I'm just trying to make a point that I did. Th- I feel like had there been a little bit more close supervision with Amy at 16 years old, maybe she wouldn't have wound up in this uh, horrible mess.
0: You know, one of the things I just wanted to touch upon also is, is the, um, how the media is so intoxicating and we saw it also, um, years later in, in the OJ Simpson case. And I think that um, Mary Jo had had commented on that, that, uh, you know, that was, I think that was in 94. I remember when the Nicole Brown Simpson murder happened two years after me, I was like, that was me, but I lived. And she commented on that. And the other thing is, is that the intoxication of being drawn to the media. I remember Ron Goldman's father. And Ron Goldman was the waiter who was also stabbed to death uh, next to Nicole Brown. And the father could not get off. He was on a talk show every single night. And I was just like, is that really appropriate behavior? Or is this a way of healing maybe? that that, uh, Healing from his son's murder that he's going on a talk show. A different Larry King. Every other night he was on a different show. I was like, I would think that someone would want to do the opposite to get away from that rather than to sort of marvel in the media buzz that was going on and just be, you know, on every single channel as often as you possibly could be. I think he uh, I think it's
1: what you said. He was trying to, you know, listen, he was obviously outraged at the outcome of the trial. He eventually wound up uh, bringing a, a civil suit against OJ, which they won. Uh, the, you know, there's a, a less of a, a threshold that has to be met with regard to evidence. It's a preponderance of the evidence where a civil trial, there is six jurors and only four have to rule in your favor, not like a, a jury of 12 where it has to be a, a unanimous decision in a criminal case. But I think it's what you said, Billy. He was trying to, you know, he stayed with it. That was, uh, you know, he felt outraged that there wasn't justice done and maybe going on these shows was therapeutic, Or but it was also keeping the spotlight on OJ. And he eventually was successful in that civil trial. Um, but it's not going to bring his son back. Uh, it may be just a way for him to have uh, gotten through every day, so to speak. You know, when you lose somebody like that, uh, it's an unnatural thing. Uh, you know, the, the parents are supposed to, uh, you know, the, the children are supposed to outlive the parents. So when, when a child is killed, um, I, I don't know, you know, what... Situation uh, he was, or what his thought pattern was, but uh, maybe he felt that this is the only way he could uh, honor his son's, uh, you know, his son's uh, legacy and to continue on and to fight. And uh, I think he he did. He, he eventually won that civil trial. So uh, yeah, you
0: Adam know, Adam Trinchetto still keep in contact with her son. That's uh, Mary Joe's son, um Paul. Uh, though they have lived in California after they moved uh, away back in nineteen ninety nine. I remember being at school, seeing Paul running out of the school, crying, then came home. Yeah, I mean, you can't, the devastation that a situation like this brings to the entire family. And then the aftermath of like, you know, Joey, who was known as a sociopath of trying to cash in at every corner through television, through appearances, through speaking, to he was boxing. He was doing celebrity boxing. He was doing everything he could. To make a living, and maybe that's because I think after that he had um, lost his body shop because maybe, I don't know, people didn't want to deal with him or or I don't know what the circumstance was. So he he had to make a living somehow, but it it seemed like he never, as I said, he never met a camera he didn't like. Uh, Yeah, Sergeant Friday, uh, that makes no difference. Other people with two working parents don't have affairs with married men and shoot their wives. Maybe Amy just wasn't a nice person. Enough with blaming the parents. Yeah, well, <laughs> touche, Betty. You know, you, you, you could be right. I don't know. You know, it seems that we all always want to try to assign blame. Isn't that sort of the American way? I know that's the way of the police department. The police department always likes to assign blame and find out who's responsible. And if it's a, if it's a cop, they're going to take a piece of them. You know, who's responsible for this? Who's screwed up on this? You know, Alena uh, Buckholtz. Uh, Ron's father didn't want his son's murder to be pushed to the side. It's all about Nicole and the media. Uh, You know, very possible, Elena. But I just I'm a little baffled sometimes why people just they sort of bask in the limelight of the media, uh, even after horrendous things occur. Uh, And as I said, the media can be intoxicating.
1: The media gets intoxicated with these salacious stories, obviously. But there's one thing that any person can do when media knocks on your door and wants a uh, interviewer wants to talk to you and you say no comment, if you say no comment enough times, sooner or later, they're going to go away. That's just something that these people didn't do in this case, whether it be Mary Joe or Joey or Amy, they played into the whole media thing. And, you know, I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just stating facts. Uh, you know, if, uh, if the media comes knocking at your door and they camp outside your house and you say no comment enough times sooner or later, they're going to go away because they're not getting anything to, uh, you know, to, to broadcast. So, uh, but in this case, it wasn't that way. And, and, uh, listen again, I wasn't knocking the parents of, of, uh, Amy Fisher. I'm just, you know, pointing out, uh, you know, just looking for the reason as to why, like you said, Billy, you know, what caused this? What was the reason that a 16-year-old girl was involved with a guy that owns a body shop that was maybe 15 or whatever it was, years older than her, you know? So uh, that that's really all we were looking for is the, is the reason as to why, um, you know, and, and again, we have a woman that nearly lost her life, uh, Mary Jo, who was shot in the face and uh, left, you know, almost for dead, but... Uh, and still scarred till this day. So yeah, I think uh, there is a lot of questions around something like that.
0: Folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. John B D law, www.jbeattielaw.com. John Beatty is a renowned personal injury attorney. He also retired as a decorated NYPD sergeant. John comes from a proud NYPD and FDNY family. He was an active sergeant in Brooklyn North and supervised in the legal bureau. John is a proud member of the honor Legion and the blue Knights. John Beattie litigates across the country for seriously injured victims and has helped recover over $200 million for grieving families. Call John now for a free consultation. John Beattie, attorney at law, 917-797-9520. That's for John Beatty, a uh, personal injury attorney. Let me see if I can now find the Joe Murray. There we go. <laughs> Joe Murray, attorney at law. Joe's a great fan and a guest of
1: Police Off the Cuff many, many times, so you can judge him for yourself. But have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is uh, 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com.
0: The secret to quickly hiring the best police officers before your competition does. With an extremely limited job candidate pool, law enforcement agencies have to quickly identify and hire qualified police officers before another agency does. That's why nearly 70 U.S. agencies have updated their hiring process to include iDetect, a fast, affordable, non-invasive, unbiased, and automated lie detector. It accurately identifies lies by watching the eyes. iDetect eye also helps solve crimes. Converis CEO Todd Mickelson was on the show, and he shared stories about how iDetect is changing the way the world detects deception. Remember, the eyes don't lie. Converis.com, one 801 331 8840-INFO-AT-CADVERIS.COM is the email. So, Phil, you know, the big thing with this case, of course, we're talking about domestic violence. And here was a domestic violence situation without there being specifically violence from the husband. I don't believe that Joey was violent with Mary Jo, but I think this qualifies as a domestic violence incident because... He manipulated her in so many other ways and was abusive in so many other ways, in a mental way, not in a physical way. And look how this turned out. And so we have to classify this case as also a domestic violence case.
1: You know, if you beat a person down and you attack their self esteem on a daily basis, over time, that person is going to be uh, really unable to function on a normal, uh, you know, uh, relationship point of view. So uh, again, like you said, it's mental duress, it's mental stress, uh, I really believe that's the reason that she didn't, you know, she had the children. How was she going to support her children if she walked away from, uh, from Joey? And then you have that, uh, the self-esteem being brought down and, uh, you know, maybe, uh, she felt like she couldn't go out and, and have another relationship. And then when she did eventually leave and she while it wasn't another relationship, there was problems in that relationship. So, you know, uh, a person's uh, personal behavior and, and their personal relationship, uh, uh, is affected by these type of things. You can't, uh, be told that you're not of any worth every day or whatever it is that a person like that, that beats down their self uh, self self-esteem says, and not have it affect your, your everyday life, you know? So, uh, that's probably what happened in this case.
0: 100%. Claire Mack, OJ, trying to make money and almost mocking them. Yeah. Well, That's true, you know. Something I think his big payday will come when he stands in front of the Lord, <laughs> you know. Uh, oh, for sure. Fonda Molinesis, Drew Peterson, the Illinois detective, big narcissist. There's narcissists all over this place. Jersey Girl 732, Joey didn't stop going in the spotlight when, if his own father told to, he couldn't help himself, not even for the sake of his elderly father. Yeah, I think you know, people get they get intoxicated by the media and they just have to be uh, in the spotlight all the time. And it's really a crazy thing. Mary Glick, mental abuse is the same as DV, but no outward bruises. It takes years to get over. Yes. I'm a survivor. Thank you, Mary Glick for um, posting that. Uh, Joey, a legend in his own mind. These creeps. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) he's still uh he's still out there you know he's trying to write a book now you know i I guess people haven't had enough of this story you know there he is Joey you know he was he was sort of that big Italian stereotype you know the big tough guy and uh I remember when he was going to jail for six months one of the reporters said to him uh joey are you are you gonna how are you gonna be in jail are you gonna be all right he goes hey I'm six foot two. I weigh 250 pounds. I bench press 405 he goes, I'm not going to have any problems. <laughs> so he was pretty confident in himself too, you know? You, you know what too, Billy, when you look at where
1: this case took place, Massapequa, uh, a middle to upper middle class area of Long Island, it was kind of out of the ordinary for something like this to happen, obviously. And I think that's what grabbed the media spotlight right away that this wasn't, you know, uh, some type of violence that was happening in, in a, a really depressed, bad area. This was middle to upper middle class America, so to speak, and, you know, out on long Island. And, uh, so for the media spotlight to be pointed in this direction, it was easy to, to make a story out of it. And then everyone just played into it, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I think the interest is still there till today. Uh, if if he's writing a book, or if Mary Joe's writing a book, and now Amy's, uh, you know, seems to be, you know, she's taking a back seat to the whole thing. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, the one of the people in the chat said that there was a 2020 episode last night talking about it. So that that tells you that there's still the uh, the media interest in this case.
0: Yeah, 100. And I I find it uh, a little. Uh... Well, not strange, I don't know the correct word, but with Amy Fisher feels sort of slighted that everyone's made a lot of money from this except her, you know. And uh, well, should you be punished? Or should you be rewarded for bad behavior? You shot someone in the head. Do you think that you should get a reward for that? You know, uh these people, Joey on the screen right there, and Mary Joe, and I don't even know how well Joey but cashed in. I don't know what his he made money, but he blew the money. But I think that Mary Joe Butterfuco apparently has done well. That's I mean, that's what I'm reading. Who knows? She's living in Malibu. Malibu, California is sure as hell, is not an inexpensive place to live. So if she is doing well, God bless her. You know, she went through hell and uh she continues to have mentally have to deal with with the aftermath of these things. And there's Amy Fisher on the screen. And is she a victim? I don't know. You can argue one way or the other whether she's a victim of this or not. Uh, In one way, she was victimized by Joey, but that doesn't give you license or the right to shoot someone in the head, you know
1: absolutely billy i think that uh, you you showed the people magazine cover uh, a tale of sex greed and betrayal i mean look at yeah right there You look at that a shocking tale of sex greed and b- betrayal uh that headline it really uh shocks people when they read it uh, it's uh lethal low leader i mean think about it so and yeah i think she is a victim somewhat i mean listen She went to jail for shooting her and, you know, that was obviously wrong. But the reason I call her a victim of sorts is because she was only 16 years old when this whole thing started. And, uh, you know, uh, I think the the argument can be made that she is somewhat of a victim. Uh, She needed to be held accountable for shooting Mary Jo 100 percent. But uh, there was some victimization on her side. And obviously, uh, Mary Jo is a uh, victim as well. And uh, this narcissistic behavior, uh, sociopathic behavior by Joey is uh, really, uh, that's the cause of all of the stuff that you have here, all of the victimization, you know.
0: 100%. Adam Trinchetto, he's referring to Massapequa in this. It was an amazing town and neighborhood. Loved it since I was born there being on the water, but their name always brings a bad name to our town. So the Butterfucos have forever tainted Massapequa. You know, Adam, I grew up in Levittown, and we used to play sports against Massapequa. And we always used, as Levittown kids, we always used to consider we were the poor kids, you know. We were the poor kids, and Massapequa were the the rich kids, you know. And uh, our coaches would preach that to us. Let's go there, and, you know, you're playing these rich kids. You know, they were eating caviar after the game. And, you know, <laughs> that's how they tried to motivate 12-year-olds, you know. But uh, we bought into it. And Mass Peak was a great, uh, great sports town, great town to this day. And I could see how this incident could have muddied up the town a little bit, for sure.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a negative connotation to the town, but it's not a reflection of everyone. It's obviously a reflection of Obviously, uh, Joey Butterfield goal, but, uh, you know, again, a, lot of little vic- uh, a little bit of victimization towards Amy, a lot of victimization towards uh, Mary Jo, and uh, I don't think that, uh, you know, everybody in Long Island is uh, caught up in these uh, soap opera-type scandals as, uh, as you know, deep as this, but, uh, yeah, I guess it does have a little bit of a negative connotation for Massapequa, For
0: sure. You know, folks, so we we were trying to stay with the uh, the theme of um, domestic violence, and I came up with this. I, saw, I actually watched some of the 2020 on this case last night, and I was so familiar with I I mean, 1992, I was a police sergeant, and I was had only been on the job for, um, I think, seven years. I came on in 1985. But this case was all over everywhere. It was all over the media. It was everywhere. I mean, I remember Madonna was on Saturday Night Live, and, after her song, she held up a thing with the, the sign with the no on it with Butterfuco, you know, no Butterfuco. And then, so that was that big of a national story that it was all over everywhere. Apparently, David Letterman every other night was using Butterfuco as a, a butt of his jokes, you know. So you can understand why the family of the Butterfuco's wanted to get the hell away from Long Island and away from uh, what they had to deal with with this it was crazy. And okay, thank you for the 19. I know it's a different uh I know it's a different currency, but thank you for the super chat. I really appreciate it. Thank uh, you very much. Patty L, inflated sense of self-worth importance These to Joey and Amy. Uh hi, Bill Ryan, Jamie Pimperto, Ma- Maureen Serati. Okay, Maureen, I'm gonna this is your first time here, but I'm gonna read your um because I know you're a retired detective. It's amazing that society still feels a, a woman or a teen, must be a victim. There are inherently bad people out there, kids who kill, women who kill. Amy was no victim. She was just as much a narcissist and met her match in Joey. She was used to playing people, so she wasn't getting played by Joey. They were gasoline and a lighter. It was a game for both of them and continues to be. Amy was escorting in high school prior to meeting Joey. Sex tapes from her prostituting came out. After the fact, I guess. Well, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I'm just looking at a 16 year old kid that could be manipulated and steered. And, you know, uh, she may have had narcissistic tendencies and behavior. You could be 100% right. She could have been uh, a wild uh, monster in the making. But at 16 years old, I think it might have been very easy to manipulate her, manipulate her feelings. Uh, she's just a teenager. Uh, I guess we won't know one way or the other what really took place between Joey and Amy uh, behind closed doors, the things that he said to her, how he tried to control her. But I think there's a clear case for uh, Joey to be considered a narcissist, a sociopath. And uh, I'm just looking at the fact that she was 16 years old at the time and could have easily been uh, manipulated. That's uh, why I think she's. Somewhat of a victim. I'm not saying she's a victim of this case. She's somewhat of a victim. She was victimized at, 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 Yeah, she was victimized. victimized whether she's she.
0: a victim, we can use the we can use the the uh, the verb. She was victimized. Right? Uh, she was victimized
1: by this guy and yeah. put into a situation. Now look, she took it upon her own. Uh, you know, she took it upon herself to go shoot Mary Jo. Uh, right. But uh, I think if she wasn't in this situation, she probably wouldn't have been presented with something J- like
0: that. Jimmy Calandra says, hey, guys, I think you guys need to have Amy on the show
1: next. She's welcome to come on yeah. anytime If she gets you know, a hold of this, we'd love to have her
0: on. Uh, she may have had enough of this. Uh, Jersey Girl 732, Amy was a young girl looking for love in all the wrong places. That was a movie at that time, uh, Urban Cowboy, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love remember that That's song right. it was with john travolta and um who was the female um actress oh, boy. oh geez i remember john i don't remember uh, i can't think of her name right now She sort Somebody of faded out of uh well folks we're at an hour we're gonna we're gonna start uh folding up the tent i hope you guys enjoyed this we thought we would take a bit of a dive into it. um and it's it's an interesting, interesting case. And you know, we hope that everyone involved in this case uh leads a fruitful you know, next part of their life because this was really the 30 year anniversary is is May nineteenth, I believe. That's unbelievable that it was that long. Phil, final words.
1: Final words. Joe, uh Billy, I think this was a good uh show to put together based on the recent events, the the couple of cases that were domestic violence related homicides, which was Cassie Carley and uh, Naomi Arian. We did in in the last two weeks. Um, It was just a spotlight on domestic violence uh, to bring awareness and uh, to show people that there is help out there. Uh, we highlighted a bunch of different scenarios uh, regarding protecting yourself and there is help out there. And, you know, I think that this show today, we, we actually had a little bit of a conversation about whether or not we believe, uh, Amy was a victim or not. So it's good to talk about it, bring it out there, shine the light on it. And, uh, God bless all those families of, uh, the, the victims themselves and their families of domestic violence. And there couldn't be enough said about this. Uh, one domestic violence victim is one too many.
0: The actress' name was Deborah Winger, and the movie was uh, Urban Definitely. Cowboy with uh, John Travolta and Deborah Winger. Folks, thank you so much for listening today. We'll see you soon. Have a safe day. Stay safe, everyone. One episode, just said enough.